Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2022 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome to the New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Ludicky, and we've got a great show for you today. The USHL is the only Tier 1 Junior Hockey League in the United States, and uh, the Tri-City Storm are the first team to clinch a playoff spot. They are one of the top clubs in the league. They have produced a lot of uh, NHL draft picks over the past several years, and I am pleased to welcome as a guest Associate Head Coach David Nyes, originally from Brookline, uh, played some college hockey in the area, and uh, he has uh, been kind enough to join us all the way from Kearney, Nebraska. David, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kirk. How are you doing? I'm terrific. So before we get into your background and kind of talk about some broader topics, uh, let us know what's uh, going on with the with the storm. I mean, you guys just clinched a playoff spot. It is uh, it's middle of March. Uh, based on some of the past experiences I know you've had, uh, that's a that's good news. That's got to be a a, a welcome uh, development for you in terms of at least knocking down that first big hurdle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it kind of came as a surprise that we we clinched the playoffs uh, on Friday. We we really didn't talk about it until probably about Wednesday. Um, I mean, we've done a pretty good job of staying focused, and and it was a great feat. And obviously, to do it this early. Uh, during the dog days of, of junior hockey is uh, exceptional, so we're, we're, we're really excited. You know, what I notice is you beat a team like the Fargo Force, and, and from past experiences, you know, they always play hard. They've got a heavy, uh, you know, physical kind of team, and, and so to, to, to beat them to get in probably was, a, was an added bonus because it certainly wasn't, you know, they may not be as high in the standings as, as they typically are, but they're still a tough, every team in the league is a tough, a tough mark, and it looks like you handled them pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're a tough team. They've given us fits all year, uh, especially up in in Fargo. So to get them at home, uh, we played we played really really well. You know, in the weekend before that, we played well at home against Lincoln too, who's a, who's another you know a tough opponent. So, uh, like you said, I mean, there's no easy games in, in this league. So you have to you know come prepared, and and we we feel like teams are gunning gunning for us every single night. So we know we're going to get everybody's best. How was uh, how was the Fargo weather? Was it cooperative or was it uh, kind of the, the the daily dozen of uh, frigid temps down uh, down below zero that we've had to contend with in the past? Well, previous time we were there, um, 
super windy, super cold. So it was probably about, I think it was zero or, or negative five uh, with the wind chill and, and all that. So actually that's pretty mild for them up there. Um, but right. You know, it's always going to be cold when you get, yeah, people from New England. I don't, you know, I mean, it's cold up here, and we, you know, we we grew up here, but I I don't think folks that that have not been to uh, North Dakota uh, don't really understand how how really truly uh, frigid it can be, especially with the wind chill. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different cold. It's bone chilling. Um, and I was just up in in Minnesota too this weekend, and you know, it was about uh, this past week, the week, it was about 16 degrees, but it felt like negative 60. So it's just a different, it's a different cold than out east. No doubt about that. All right. Well, okay. So let's, let's talk about you a little bit before we, before we get, you know, delve too far. Grew up in, in uh, Brookline and uh, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're an individual that, that is been involved in in New England hockey for a long time at, at the various levels and and so how did you get, how did you get started David and and um because it's it's a fascinating story because you've gone from you've gone from Brookline to uh, you know a lot of different places Ohio and then Texas and then ultimately up in Nebraska so how did it get going for you how did you get the bug um you know I I think just everybody says passion for the game. I felt I, I, I left a lot out there <laughs> as a player, honestly, you know, I didn't really understand what it took to be a player probably until later on in my career. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like I had a lot left to give and, and, and I wanted to give back to, to the um, younger players. And obviously I love the sport, the, the camaraderie of it, you know, the, the competitiveness is something that, that I, you know, I love and, you know, it, it, you know, that, that's kind of what got me started. Um, you know, I obviously grew up in Brookline. I played four years at, at, at Brookline high. I played three years of junior hockey, one year, um, with the Monarchs, two with, uh, the Northern Cyclones. And then, you know, concluded my, my playing career at, at University of Southern Maine. Um, you know, and, and then it was my fifth year there, um, where I was finishing up some classes where I, um, was asked to join, the, the staff and kind of just, you know, stand on the bench and, um, boy, it was, it was fun. It was really fun. And, and I, and I felt a little bit of that competitiveness that, you know, I was kind of missing, you know, when my career ended. Um, so I just, I kind of got the bug from there. Um, from there, fortunately I was, you know, I was given the opportunity to go to, to Ohio university, work under Sean Hogan, who's an amazing guy. Um, Got my master's degree there, was there for a year, um, you know, then kind of cut my teeth, went to Curry College, worked with TJ Manisterski uh, for a year, and then went on to Merrimack and with, with Mark and Mark Dennehy and, and Curtis Carr, Bill Gilligan, and, and then, then off to the junior hockey route. So it's been a, it's been a long road, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun one, you know. So we, as you know, we had your, your former Southern Maine teammate, uh, Troy Thibodeau, uh, who's now assistant coach at, at Dartmouth on the podcast earlier this season. And, you know, for those of you that maybe haven't heard that episode, that's a good listen and uh, it's in the archive. I'd encourage you to to check it out at, at hockeyjournal.com. But Troy talked about being a multi-sport athlete and, you know, growing up in Danvers and how it wasn't just hockey and he wasn't specializing in hockey. Um, was that kind of the same thing for you where you were playing different sports uh, or, or were you more hockey focused as, as a player when you were younger? 
Um, I mean, hockey was always my love, but you know, my mom actually made me play football. Um, cause she wanted me to put the skates away for a little bit. And then, you know, I loved baseball. So, you know, I'd play football, hockey, and then baseball in the spring. So yeah, I mean, I played a bunch of different sports. I, you know, I played a little bit of basketball in middle school growing up, you know, I was kind of, I was constantly outside. So, you know, whatever the kids in the street were playing, you know, I was playing, playing that. Do you recommend it? Do you recommend to kids, especially younger players or parents? Would you say, hey, kind of stick with that, play, play different sports? I mean, at some point, if they're going to be committed to hockey and and they want to really truly play, you know, at the highest levels of junior and Division One and 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 possibly beyond in in the pro ranks, they've got to specialize at some point. It's just kind of the way things are. But do you encourage, do you encourage the multi sport approach to to develop an athlete as opposed to a specialized hockey player at a younger age? Yeah, absolutely. I think you develop different skills, whether it's like hand-eye coordination with baseball or, you know, running and cutting and football. Um, I just think you develop different skills that help you on the ice. But I also think, you know, most importantly, the, the, the mental toll it takes on putting your equipment on, practicing, taking it off, you know, obviously showering and, and, and doing that for an entire winter. I mean, it, it, you have to you have to step away a little bit, you know, and Obviously, you talked about the sports specialization of it. And, you know, with our guys, uh, we have to give them days off. I mean, especially I just talked about like the dog days of junior hockey. Like, you know, we're up to the point now where, you know, sometimes we're giving them two or three days off and we have to keep, you know, kind of essentially kick them out of the ring um, just so they have that, you know, that mental sharpness when they do come back. And, and that's kind of it. You know, it's, it's just to, to keep your mind sharp you want to, you want to keep coming back for more, uh, you know, and some people think that, you know, by playing hockey year round that, you know, um, that you're going to get better and, and, and for sure you might, you might develop, you know, better skills and all that stuff. But I think, you know, the wear and tear on, on a body, you know, especially, you know, playing a physical sport like hockey, you know, your body needs a rest and, and your mind needs a rest. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And that is that it, People don't think about it. It's uh, the the nature of the schedules and the games. You can get caught up in the rat race of routines, but if you don't take the chance to unplug, then you really kind of put the the athlete gets at risk at, at burnout and things like that. And I think that's along the lines of what you're saying. So going back a little bit to so you had you had you you really started coaching at Ohio University, but then you ended up at, at Curry College in, in Canton and been in the been in the ice house, been in your old uh, your old rink there. Um, but but from there you went from Curry to to Merrimack. So I just was interested in, in asking you, David, what are the biggest differences you noticed between the Division Three uh, athlete student athletes and the and the and the competition that you were involved with at Curry to when you made the jump to Merrimack and was a video coach. The you know the, the next step under Mark Dennehy. Competitiveness of of the games. I mean the. All games, I, I feel like, are, are competitive, you know, and everybody wants to win, you know, but obviously the, the, the skill level, you know, the, the skill level um, at, at Merrimack was obviously higher um, in, in the time that, that they put in. And, and, and I mean, Division three athletes, they still have to put in a, a, a lot of time, you know, in, you know, lifting weights, you know, see if you're off ice, you're on ice in, in your school, um, you know, but – you know, I feel like, you know, at the division one level, you know, sometimes it's, 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 it's even more so same with division three to a smaller degree. I mean, 
percentages, but I mean, division one players, they're okay. They're there, but there there's, you know, there's a next level that they, they feel like they can go to with their games. So they're constantly um, worried about that. And I think maybe the stress levels, um, maybe a little bit more stressful at the division one level. Interesting. And so what were you doing? Like, so you, when you were brought in to do that work, it wasn't intuitive to you, right? It was probably something you didn't have a huge background in, you know, video coach. You probably had to learn a lot. So what was that transition like for you? And what were you doing for Mark Dennehy? And how uh, how did that translate into the, the preparation that you had to, to make that jump to, to junior hockey and the things that you were doing? Because, I mean, truth in lending, and, and for, for, for audience members that don't know that, you and I worked together in, in Omaha. And what I remember is when you came in and for the 18-19 season, you just hit the ground running because you were so familiar with – sports code and and the things you have to do to, to to clip video and and that is an asset and I think for coaches out there that maybe are, are younger or, or just starting out uh I think that the it, it's so important to have those skills when you get there uh and be ready to go because that's really as a as a as a you know an assistant coach that's what's expected of you isn't it yeah I mean it's it's crucial now I mean everything runs through video um, and we talked about Troy earlier. He kind of paved the way for me at Merrimack, uh, volunteering there for Mark. Um, so I kind of, it was seamless for me to go in and, you know, feel comfortable, but it, it wasn't necessarily seamless to do the video. Um, I had to learn, um, you know, it was, it was live bullets, you know, and, and, and it was uh, a little bit nerve wracking at times, but um, working for a staff like, like that at, at, at Merrimack with Mark and Curtis and Bill, um, you know, they, they were so receptive. Um, they were so helpful, you know, and I never felt like I was uh, a volunteer, you know, uh, I always felt like I was a part of the staff. Um, even though I was just like a young buck, you know, who thought he probably knew a little bit more than he did, uh, but they, they helped me out so much. Um, but it, it, but it's crucial to, to learn the video side of it. And the only way to learn is just to dive in, um, you know, but I mean, it doesn't matter if you're probably in the NHL or, you know, wherever uh, you're, you're going to have to show video at some point to your team and, and to players. They want to see it. Kids now want to see it. They're visual learners. So, um, you know, it was hard. I mean, I, we would, you know, I would pre-scout uh, the opponents, you know, I would, I would obviously cut the games live. You know, I would put, put certain clips into to meetings for the coaching staff. So, they for them to show, um, you know, whether it's the defensemen or the forwards, um, it was constant. But I learned a lot just by virtue of watching. Um, you know, if we're playing UNH and watching two games from UNH the, you know, the previous weekend and, and seeing those teams and just watching different systems and stuff like that and just picking things up as as I went and, uh, you know, by the end of the year. It was uh, it was way easier, but there was some there was definitely some uh, rough rough patches and rough moments throughout that year. But it it's, it helped me, you know, obviously further on down the road. Yeah, you wouldn't want it any other way. And and another Rinkwise podcast past guest, Mark Dennehy, uh, currently director of scouting for the New Jersey Devils, former head coach Merrimack College. Uh, he went on to also coach in the AHL for the New Jersey Devils uh, farm team. And, uh, you know, just a, 
you know, tremendous individual. Uh, had a great time. And again, if you haven't heard that podcast, Mark, Mark Dennehy's podcast, check it out uh, because uh, just he's mentored so many people. And so what was it like for you uh, to, to, to learn under Mark and to be mentored by him? And then, you know, and Curtis Carr as well, like what, what are some of the biggest lessons you took out of your experience under those, those two real good, strong hockey minds that you spent so much time with? I mean, I, I, they were awesome. I still talk to them, you know, probably weekly or every other week. Um, you know, they, they made me feel important. Um, you know, they had been through it, so they understood. Um, and, that, and that's kind of where I le- learned how to treat, you know, supporting staff and, and stuff like that because, they, I mean, they were just so great to me. I, I, it was funny is that, you know, I was obviously a volunteer, and, and this is kind of guy Mark is, I mean, at the end of the year, I was like, oh, I might just come back. He said, no, you got to go, you got to go make some money. You got to get out of here. So, um, you know, and he, he helped me, uh, find my next job, but you know, those, those guys, you know, the, the passion that they had, uh, for the game, the way that they would test me, they would allow me, uh, to, to, you know, voice some opinions and then they would, you know, kind of critique it and, and, and teach me as I went. Um, but those are guys I, I still lean on to this day. Um, you know, as I, as I continue on this path. You're older than you look. I remember uh, David Nyes coming up to me in 2017 at the fall cla- USHL Fall Classic, and you had an Amarillo Bulls logo on your on your shirt. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. I, mean, you, I thought you, honestly, at the time, I thought you were early 20s. So you've, you've worked hard, you've grinded. Talk about that experience of so you go from Merrimack to Amarillo, Texas, and uh, I mean there's a lot of songs about Amarillo, Texas Panhandle, uh, the whole different. I mean you, you remember you're a Brookline guy, and for most of your life you're you're pretty much in the Northeast. Whether we're talking college, whether we're talking most of your your coaching you know jobs at that point, you had gone out to Ohio, but uh, that's really still closer more like the Northeast than, than Texas is. How did that come together for you? And what was it like to be a junior hockey coach in the North American hockey league there? It was exciting because I didn't, I wasn't like the the video coach, the Monday morning quarterback. I actually had to now like, you know, see the clips and then teach, teach the clips. And, and so it was exciting for me. Um, but yeah, going from, you know, Merrimack and living in Boston and, um, to, to, to Amarillo was uh, was definitely eye opening when I when I pulled I never seen the town uh, but when I pulled in I was like well this is going to be you know a, a huge change but I'm grateful for it you know I was hired by by Rocky Russo there and you know I I enjoyed my time there it was it was a it was a great town the the, the people were awesome they're passionate uh, it was funny I, I didn't actually think tumbleweed was a real thing I thought that was just in uh, cartoons but uh, it's a serious thing out there and it's, it's pretty hysterical. I was actually crying, laughing when the first time I saw it. Um, but you know, it, it was a good experience for me because I got to coach so many games. I mean, you're coaching, you know, 60 games and you just learn different things and, and, and the game kind of slows down for you. Um, you know, where you can see adjustments and, and things like that. And, and um, you know, what personnel to get on the ice and, and just, you know, it, it was, it was awesome, you know, and, and obviously seeing you at the fall classic, you know, you don't necessarily want to see a North American league team if you're a USHL player at the fall classic, but you know, that was my job um, is to, to try to go see, 
you know, then during that year of the fall classic, I believe that was still preseason. It was, it was still preseason. So there was still some guys that were, you know, maybe going to get sent down. And so, um, I make the joke that I probably didn't even need to watch a game. I could have just stood in the parking lot and waited for, for guys <laughs> to come out of the rink. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was an amazing experience seeing different, you know, places. And I, I, when I, when I thought I was moving to Texas, I thought I was moving to like a really, you know, it was going to be warm all year round. Uh, Amarillo, no, it was a little bit colder in, uh, in the winter for sure. So it was, uh, it was a good experience. So it was great people and forever grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. You guys ended up getting Brendan Datum out of that, as I recall. Um, that's right. So those are relationships, right? You and I, we, we met and we established a relationship. And then when I would see you at other events, we became friends and that, you know, the rest is history. And, and I was grateful that we got a chance to be, you know, coworkers and colleagues, you know, in, in Omaha, but, but just, one thing that has always stood out to me about you is that you understand recruiting and you understand you, you figured out. And I think I would, I mean, I don't want to assume, but I, I I'll connect the dots here that your early experiences in college taught you the importance of recruiting and you were able to translate that into your junior experiences. Because when it comes to the North American league and even the, the USHL, you have to recruit players just because you draft a player doesn't mean they're going to end up there. And so talk about that a little bit. What, what, what are some of the, the experiences that you really benefited from in terms of your knowledge of recruiting and, and how important it is to building winning teams at any level? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I picked up some good things, you know, when I, was working at Ohio and and Curry college. And and those are both amazing places, you know, Um, but every kid's dream is to play, you know, division one. And that's no different than, you know, U 16, U 18, U 15 players that, uh, you know, they want to play in the USHL. Um, So so when I went to the North American league, I kind of understood that, you know, necessarily the guys necessarily didn't want to hear from me yet. Um, So it, you know, it could be frustrating, you know, at times um, recruiting in the North American league. Um, and it was a lot, it was a lot more work. I thought on the phone, um, cause you have your tenders in the North American league, you get seven of them, I believe, or seven or eight, some teams trade for more. Um, but just, you know, trying to get that player that is good, really good, you know, but maybe just not there yet, you know, to, to be in the USHL. So finding that little you know, niche, but they don't want to necessarily hear from you when you're in North American league, um, but they're still excited and you just have to build that relationship. So it's all about relationships. We talked, you just talked about relationship you and I built, you know, it's just maintaining that relationship and, and getting to understand the player and what their wants and, and needs are and how, you know, all, all any player really wants to know is how you, how are you going to make them better? You know, how are you going to, advance them to the next level. And, it, and if you can show that and you're confident in that, um, then I find that you, you know, you're going to have success um, more often than not. And then in terms of, you know, building a team, you know, you're trying to build a first line to a fourth line. So it's a, you know, I think you need to build a roster, you know, from the top to the bottom, you know, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to see the, the little nuances of, of a player's game and, and try to decipher which player is going to make it or, you know, but I've, I've always felt that, you know, you just have to go with your gut and, and trust your eye and, 
in what you see. You know, I've said this before on past episodes, podcast episodes, but I, I remember when David Quinn was unveiled, they had just unveiled the U.S. Olympic team, and he used a great example that gets to what you were talking about, and I'll share it now, and, and again, apologies to, to, to listeners that have listened to the episodes, and I've mentioned this before, but it's just a great quote, he talked about, he said, when you're forming a band, you don't go out and get five lead singers, and uh, it, you, it's a it's such a, a an easy analogy because it's so true in, in in hockey. If you if you try to you know ice a team of of first line guys, well, there's only one puck. It's probably not going to go very well. You have to, as you said, you have to find the players who know what they are uh, are going to bring the attributes and the winning details of hockey that you need. Uh, when the games get tough and you're in you're you're in the trenches, and uh, it's so important, and and it's hard sometimes because you get, you know, wouldn't you say when you're at these various showcases and events, you get fixated on the the top end guys, but but having that eye and that ability to find the role players is so critical. Absolutely, and I like guys that you know are on the upward trend, you know, that are maybe the kid played you know double A you know, the year before, and this is his first year at AAA, or you hear that he plays, you know, football, and he's a captain for his football team and stuff like that. To me, that means, you know, maybe they haven't specialized yet, you know, and there's a lot of room for growth. And to me, that's that's exciting as well. How about Ryan Lottenbach? There's a name from the past, and, and you know, Hockey East watchers got a chance, have, have had a chance to see him, and he's still going at UMass. But you have a, you have a history. Where does, he, where does he fit into that uh, when we're talking about recruiting? Because, I mean, he was, he was at Amarillo, and then he ended up, in, uh, he ended up in, uh, in Omaha, and now he's at, uh, now he's at, at UMass, and he's playing Division I hockey. And this is a player who... Anyone that's familiar with him, he was not on the fast track. He had to really, you know, grind it out, and he aged out of junior. So, talk about a guy like that, and 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 his journey, and how just sticking with it and not paying attention to what everyone else was doing, and stressing out or giving up, uh, what that did for him, and and how far it's gotten him. Yeah. So, I mean, I I tendered Ryan when he when I was in Amarillo uh, before I I left for for Omaha. Um, and he was a player that stood out to me. He had a good U18 team um, at, at CompuWare. Uh, but what really stood out to me is, is he won a national championship his U16 year, and he played an integral part of that. Um, played, played a big role there. Um, and, and, and his coaches raved about him um, as a human being and how that he, you know, he had such a, such a big upside uh, because he was such a competitor. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Ryan went to, to Amarillo, had a really good year. And then, you know, we drafted him at Omaha. Uh, but I always believed, believed that, that Ryan was going to make it just because he had that, that fortuitiveness to, to continue to get better. Um, you know, I felt like he was always in the moment um, and he was present where, where he was at, um, which, which helped him in, in his development. And obviously is what led to, to his success. And, you know, when he committed to, to UMass, I, I don't think he had ever dreamed of, 
you know, playing in Hockey East to me, you know, I think he once told me that he thought he was going to play Division Three or, or maybe a, a lower level Division One program. Uh, what, what that was, that was his goals, you know. Um, so it's it's awesome to see that he's having success and he's at a school in a great program like like UMass. Right, and I mean, he had to make a choice. Uh, you know, as I recall, he made our team, but you know, it was a choice of well. You go to the USHL, you have to work your way up. You're not going to be handed anything, whereas he had kind of proved himself in Amarillo at the in the North American League, and so he was in a situation where he could have gone back there and probably been a first-line guy and been assured of first-unit power play. What? A, what? How critical was that a decision for him? And, and I think it was, I mean, it was obviously life-changing because he made the decision to play in the higher at the higher level and to challenge himself. Uh, but do, what do you what do you remember about him when he came to Omaha and, and and where he was as a player and what he did to improve to uh, convince Coach Carvel and and the UMass staff that that he was worth offering and bringing in? Yeah, he's uh, you know that's a great point. I mean, he challenged himself, you know, and 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 that's the type of player you want is a player who's you know willing to do whatever it takes to to you know help his development and, and help his team. Um, and, and like you said, he could have gone back to, to Amarillo and, and been comfortable and played first line and, and, you know, maybe played power play and stuff like that. Um, but he challenged himself. He pushed himself, um, you know, and then when he came to us in, in, in Omaha, you know, he was just a kid that you couldn't keep out of the lineup because he would do so many things, you know, that was asked of him to, to keep himself there. You know, um, Ryan's like the Ryan's a gamer. You know, he, it might be like practice might be whatever. And then they get the game hits and, and he's just making plays, you know, he's a competitive kid and that competitiveness is what, you know, probably drove his decision to challenge himself. You know, I obviously knew what he was going to be able to do at the USHL uh, level, maybe not to the extent of the scoring he had um, his final year in, in Omaha, but um, I knew that he'd be a successful player in, in the league. Um, you know, and, and he you know, obviously took that route of challenging himself and it worked out for him. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. 
Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. You talked about recruiting guys to the NA. What's what's the difference in the in the USHL? Uh, what are some of the, what are some of the challenges you deal with when you're, you know, whether you're whether you're talk you know trying to convince a kid that's drafted and maybe his rights are owned by the BCHL, the British Columbia League, and you know and they have an opportunity to go play Tier One, or maybe they're considering major junior uh, hockey in Canada, and and there are some teams in the US as well, but. You know, once they go that route, college is pretty much out. How do you, how do you approach the recruiting challenge of trying to convince a higher end kid to choose the USHL and Tri City over, let's say, another opportunity they might have uh, elsewhere? Yeah, I think it goes back to challenging themselves. You know, I, I feel like if if you want to attain every goal that you've set for yourself, and a lot of the kids that come to the USHL want to play pro and and have successful college careers like they need to challenge themselves and play against the best you know and and i feel like the ushl gives you that you know and, and you're dealing with a lot of kids that are are stars on the teams that they're coming from you know so they have to accept new roles and and you know and there's and the development's not always just a straight you know linear curve you know it, there's ups and that ups and downs um and every player goes through that you know, whether they stay maybe in a, in a lesser of a league and then they go to college and then they hit it, or maybe they come to the USHL, they hit it and they fight through it. And then they're better for it when they go to college, you know, and that's kind of the, always the, the sell for me is, Hey, like you're going to hit a bump in the road. Like, let's just hit it before you go to college. The ratio for points per game in, in the USHL to, to college hockey is, I think it's almost one, one for one. You know, whereas, you know, the VCHL, I, I believe, is 0.3, you know, points right. per game in how it translates to, to college, uh, Division One college hockey. So, you know, for me, that just shows that it better it best suits their development to, to come, you know, to the USHL. And, there, you know, the BCHL is a good league and, you know, there's a lot of nice spots in, in it and, and, and everything. But, uh, you know, ultimately... You know, I think if, if you want to be best suited, you know, your freshman year, it's it's best to, to come come down and play in the USHL. It's like the old Ric Flair to be the man, you gotta beat the man, right? So play play yeah. at the highest level. You know what you know what I love always have loved about you is you're a competitor and you talked about that at the beginning, you know, and you have to be in this business, you have to be competitive. But you would get your guy. And I'm gonna bring up a name here, and it doesn't maybe initially come to fruition. But typically, you know, uh, when you get on something, you don't you don't give up. And so, Ayrton Martino, great example of a player that you spent a lot of time recruiting, 
And there was a, you know, we were looking at, at drafting Ayrton in, in, in Omaha and ultimately he decided, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go play in the BCHL. Then COVID happened and uh, that changed everything because all of a sudden the leagues weren't playing and we had an opportunity to go back and revisit. And I'll never forget sitting in the coach's office, you said, you know what we don't have? We don't have a guy that can make you pay when you make a mistake will get that puck when you make a mistake and go down and score. We don't have that guy. And Ayrton Martino could be that guy. And he ends up coming to Omaha and had an unbelievable season. And now he's at Clarkson. So I wanted to give you credit there because that's a, you know, that was a major, you identified him as a top player early and then you, you initially lost the recruiting war for him, but you never gave up. And when we had an opportunity to go back and get him, uh, Second time was the charm. So talk about that and maybe some of the experience you've had and the importance of what that taught you. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, a, it was a, it was like a bat, it was a backhanded uh, win, I guess. Um, you know, I know a lot of people liked him, you know, going into that draft, um, but he opted to go to the BCHL, you know, and, and you know, Ayrton, as much as I know, you know, he, he's a, he's a challenging uh, kid to, to recruit, you know, he pushes you and, uh, he pushes you as a coach as well. So it was fun. And I, you know, I, I learned quickly, um, that you had to know what you were talking about, um, with him, uh, cause he's a smart kid and, and he knew what he wanted, you know, and, and ultimately, I mean, he opted to go to, to the BCHL because he wanted to put up a lot of points. Um, my sell to him was that, you know, if you came to the USHL, you'd put up a lot of points too. Uh, and that would, probably better for you um which ended up happening you know so um just staying 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 with it you know recruiting and stuff like that not taking too many things personally you know and and showing a little bit of humility always goes a long way as well you know and and uh obviously when he decided to go to to the bchl um there's no hard feelings um or anything like that you can't take take those things personally it's just you never know when it'll come back around or when you'll see that guy again. And, and you know, fortunate for us uh, at the time, it, you know, he came back to the league and he was, uh, he was a big part of, 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 of uh, success last year. He saved the season. You know, we had a major, we had a major loss in personnel. We lost Jack Jensen unexpectedly. And, uh, you know, where would we have been? So, you know, hats off to you there. That was a that was a good move. And, uh, and along those lines, now let's talk about player attributes, because you've had you've had ample time now as a coach to develop your style and and observe different teams uh, in different competitive situations and and figure out the kinds of players that you want that you believe are going to be part of a winning formula. Not just probably not just in junior hockey, but beyond because. You know, a kid that comes in and is an impact player in junior hockey is he's set up to to go on and do it at the higher levels. Doesn't always happen, but most of the time it does. So, what are as you're now working with 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 Tri City? What are some of the things that you really look for and and prioritize in players so that anyone listening to you right now can, if if they're doing those things, continue to do them, and if they're not, maybe look to to integrate those things into their game. I mean, I always think like you know. Physical attributes are, are kind of easy to gauge, whether it's you, know, you want somebody who can skate, who's, 
you know, physical, you know, shoot the puck and all that stuff. But, you know, what we're looking for is somebody who's selfless, who's team first, you know, and, and is coachable, you know, and, and, and accepting of coaching, you know, those are the guys that give coaching staffs energy to come in every day and, and, and go to work, you know, or, or the guys that, um, take to, you know, a video meeting or, uh, you know, just, you know, on ice practice and, and taking it from practice to the game. Um, so kids who are, are willing to put in the work, you know, um, but also listening as well, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny cause you know, sometimes we'll have guys come skate with us and, um, I, I always watch the end of practice, you know, when guys are working on certain things and you know, which guy, you know, what his good attributes are typically, you know, if he's got good hands or he's got a good shot, you know, are they working on the things um, that they're not good at, you know? And, and to me, that's key because, you know, again, you sh- you show, you're showing a little bit of humility. You're not just trying to show off what you can do well, but you're working on the, the maybe the weaknesses in your game uh, to better yourself. So um, that's what I'm always looking for. Um, is somebody who just wants to get better, who's willing to put in the work, and takes to and accepts uh, the coaching. Along those lines, you look at some of the players that have played for you in the past, and they've gone on, and they're you know they're D one players now, let's say, and they're they're doing very well. Uh, what are you know who are some of those guys, and what do you think you know make make them successful? I have an idea who you might talk about, but uh, yeah, there are a few. You're you're you've you've touched more than a few lives here in terms of your coaching and, you, and the experiences you've had. Who are some of the guys that you look at and you see them succeeding and you say, not surprised because of what they showed you at the lower levels? Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say, you know, you, you start where we talked about Ryan Lottenbach a lot, but I mean, that kid, you know, was always accepting of coaching and always constantly working on things uh, that he wasn't, you know, necessarily uh, good at at that time, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, he's had success and, you know, Chase Bradley, um, long road that he's had, um, you know, started off as a tender, um, really, you know, kind of got by on raw ability. Um, but, but a smart kid who, you know, just came to work every single day and continuously got better. Who's now, you know, doing well at, at, at UConn, you know, you think about, uh, Jack, Jack Randall, you know, I mean, probably a coach's, coach's dream um, in terms of just like what he brought every single day. It was, you know, he, he never took anything for granted and, and, you know, he just constantly, you know, worked. Um, you know, Matt Basgal, who I'm fortunate enough to have here in, in Tri-City now, which I'm really excited about, um, Matt Matt's come a long way. He had a lot of ability, but he's now getting to show, um, you know, a little bit of his offensive game. And that kind of just shows that he, he put in the time, he put in the work, um, you know, filled a role, you know, worked his way up the ladder and, and now is having, you know, tremendous success uh, in the USHL as he, as he moves on to, to Michigan state next year. So um, some those are some of the guys, I mean, you know, obviously, Jacob Dobis worked, you know, worked a lot on his, you know, 
mental side of things and and and, and uh, obviously his physical side of things. He's, he's exceptionally gifted and and uh, so it's easy to work with guys like that. But you know he he was you know incredible in his time in Omaha. Um, you know, but those are just a few of the the guys that come to mind. Yeah, we 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 had a hand in the the first player ever to go from straight from the USHL to the NHL and Akira Schmid. Uh, he was another, he was another one for us, helped save our season and get us at least competitive that year. That was a, that was a, you know, that was a grind, but I, I firmly believe, and I know you do as well, that you learn more when you're, when times are tough because it forces you to self-reflect and I, and analyze what's going wrong and, and, and how to fix it versus, you know, when you're, when you're winning all the time, it's harder because you have to, you have to keep people you know, on a, on a more even keel and, and make them realize that, hey, this is, you know, you still have to work. We, there are still things to improve. Just because we're winning doesn't mean we're perfect. We're constantly looking to get better, you know. And and, and what's great about uh, we're getting better, um, you know, it it's the the competitiveness within this the team, you know, individually from player to player and the competitiveness that they have with each other um, every day um, that continues to, to, to push us, you know, to, to keep clicking off some wins, you know, and, and it's funny, like a line will go out, have a really good shift. That next line wants to have a better shift. And, and they've kind of fed off of that, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a treat obviously coach in Tri-City this year and have this opportunity. Um, but, you know, we've, we've definitely, uh, there's definitely a, the inner drive of, of our team that uh, has pushed us. I enjoyed getting to know Anthony Noreen out there when, when we were, you know, when we were uh, competitors in the Western Conference. And he's done a great job. I mean, he just had a milestone. What, how, how many coaching was he? Is he at uh, 200 now? 300. 300. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah. Coach. Sorry, Coach Noreen, to first selling yeah. you short. 300 wins in the USHL in not a lot of time. And that is a tough, tough league to win in. So, you know, how, how do you guys do it? I mean, it just seems like you guys have real, he, he's always had a real good dynamic. He's empowered his, his assistants and his associate head coaches and allowed them to, to really do the the detail work, and then he's there to as a as a kind of a guiding, steadying hand. It's it's impressive the way Tri City just consistently wins uh, under that model. Yeah, I I owe Anthony everything for giving me the opportunity to come work with him, and and he's always you know he's always had good teams, and it's always you know how does how does he do it? You know, Anthony's just he's got really good relationships with the guys. Uh, he's a really good human being. Uh, and guys want to play hard for him, you know, and it, as simple as that sounds, he empowers his assistants and, and, and his staff, you know, and, and allows, allows us to do our job. He's, you know, he'll be, you know, he'll be hands off. If he has to say something, he will, but you know, he's, he's a great guy to, to learn from because, um, <laughs> a lot of guys just like him, you know, <laughs> they just, they just really like him and they, you know, they listen to him and they want to, they want to go to bat for him and, you know, um, his words matter. So, um, it, it's been, it's been a really, really good experience. It's been a challenging experience this year because we have a talented team. I mean, we, we don't make any uh, bones about, we know, 
we know we have a talented team, but that doesn't always uh, equate to success. Um, so how do we push these guys every single day and, and make them better? And that's always been the constant challenge this year. It's been a fun year. You know, it's one of our goals is, is clicked off and we just got to continue pushing forward. Who are some of the, the players that, that fans should be on the lookout for guys that are really playing well for you uh, and are maybe headed to this part of the country for their next, their next step. I'm thinking about Cole O'Hara, for example, but there are others who are some of the top players that are going to be heard from again, that are going to go on to bigger and better things that you're, you're, you're around every day and you see what they're able to bring to the mix and you know, they're just going to be succeeding at the, at the subsequent levels. Yeah. I mean, Cole here going to UMass Amherst next year has been amazing for us. He's, you know, a part of a, a, you know, a really good line with Jeremy Wilmer, who's going to Boston university and, and then Ilya Nikolaev, um, who won't be going to college, but, uh, you know, Jeremy and, and Cole, you know, have done a really good job this year. Like they're, we talk about killers uh, with Ayrton, you know, we feel like we have, you know, three or four uh, up front and those are two of them, you know, so those guys, you know, they'll make you pay if you make a mistake and, and they're both, you know, different to coach, but, you know, still give you energy to coach, you know, Cole's quieter, you know, um, and, and just puts his work in and, and Jeremy works and, and, uh, you know, he's just, a, he's a great kid to coach who he challenges you cause he's a smart player. So he knows what he's talking about. And, uh, so that's always fun and, and exciting for me. Um, and also him being a, you know, an East coast guy is, is fun too. I like having those guys out, out in the Midwest, you know, and then, um, you know, Tanner Adams, he's going to Providence, you know, Oh five tender is having a really, really good year. Um, you know, and, and, and he's just, he's just getting better and better every day. Um, and, and it's not always easy for him. He's young, yeah. you know, Mount so, St. Charles kid. Yeah. Mount St. Charles, you know, and then, and then UConn's uh, got a, UConn's got a pretty good goaltender I hear coming their way. Well, yeah. I mean, Arsenis, <laughs> Arsenis, right. Leading the you know, best goalie in the league. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, you talk about teammates, you know, and that's one of our things: is just be a great teammate. You know, that's you know that's that's what we ask of our guys. And, and our city's probably one of the best, if not the best. Um, you know, he comes to work every day, and and he works. He just works, and he is so appreciative of the opportunity. We're appreciative of him being there, but just the opportunity for him to. Um, you know, to, to, to be here. And, and, and he just, I mean, he's awesome. He just is, he cheers on his teammates when he's not playing. I mean, I could go on and on and he's always out early, you know, he'll, he'll stay out and take, you know, breakaways from the guys for, you know, however long we have to kind of kick him off, which he doesn't really like, you know, cause he could probably be on that ice all day, every day. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, we got a lot of guys. Sean McEwen's going to be at UMass Amherst. Yeah, he's had Hadley Mass. He's from Hat. He's from Massachusetts. Yeah, in a couple of years, great kid. Um, really good hockey player. Really talented. Uh, he's a he's a sponge. There's a lot of those guys in the decor. You know that that are just continuously getting better. That are, um, you know, take take to the coaching, and we had a deep decor. 
you know, and, and so, you know, Sean, uh, obviously being a younger guy in this league, you know, has to kind of cut his teeth, but he's going to be a, be a heck of a player, uh, shortly. And then, you know, Vinny Borghese going to, going to, uh, Northeastern, um, you know, he's exceptional player. I I don't think of him as a young player because him and, you know, Aiden Dubinsky, those, those old fours have almost played a hundred games in this league now. Um, but those are two, two young guys that are young by age, but, you know, experience, you know, by games. So, um, you know, those, those guys have been, uh, those guys have been awesome. And then Andrew Strathman, he's an 05. He's not going to play out East, but I'm sure people, you know, will know, know his name at some point. Um, Cause he's just one of those kids. He's, he's kind of a throwback. He's, he's a sponge. He's, he's, he's fearless. Like that's what I, that's what I love about our young guys is they're fearless. You know, like they're, they don't shy away from anything. Um, you know, they they're, they want to put the work in, but they're willing to put themselves out there as well. Um, so they're, you know, they're fearless. And, and part of that is we do to do our leadership that we have, you know, in, in some of the older guys, especially on the back end you know, with, you know, Mitchell Miller and uh, Matt Vazgal, Mason Wheeler, Johnny Druskinis, like those guys have allowed those younger players to kind of, you know, seamlessly uh, express themselves and show themselves and show their skill uh, and help them along the ways. Well, that's fantastic. It's been uh, it's been a great podcast, a great episode here. Uh, we've unpacked a lot of things uh, David Nyes, associate head coach, Tri-City Storm. Uh, it has been great uh, having you on here. Uh, thank you so much. I think, uh, you know, you're, I wish you well in your, in your, your ongoing quest uh, to finish out the season strong, uh, competing for the Anderson Cup, and, but, but really the ultimate prize is, is that Clark Cup at the end of the road. And, uh, you know, good luck with that. And I know that's, that is the goal. It's the only goal. Uh, everything else is nice, but, uh, um, it's, it's, it's about that championship. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. And, uh, so that, uh, that wraps our conversation with, with David Nyes and, uh, on behalf of, uh, producer Steve Safran, who's here with me, man in the ship and uh, does great work. Uh, we look forward to bringing you more quality, podcasts in the future Uh, but for now that's it we're signing off and until next time uh, we'll see you at the rink thanks for listening to new england hockey journal's rink wise podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and other podcast platforms follow us on twitter at ne hockey journal on instagram and facebook at new england hockey journal And subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at HockeyJournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.